Into the wild I'll go and into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'll go Into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. I've got another awesome episode for you this week per usual. I have one of my students on this week who free birthed her second child after graduating from the Radical Birthkeeper School, which we see so often and really nothing tickles me more. Before we kick it off today, I want to let you know that we are celebrating over here at Free Birth Society because I just released my newest collaboration with Yolanda Norris-Clark and it is fire. It's called The Compass, Foundations of Radical Birthkeeping, and it is the first of its kind. The Compass is a groundbreaking self-study program for women embarking on the path of sovereign birth, reclamation, and authentic midwifery. The Compass is everything you need to anchor yourself firmly in the realm of sovereign birth and to gain the confidence you need to leave the system. This program will equip you with the language and context essential for understanding the political and psychological intricacies of the medical birth system. You know, if you're here with me, that we are in the midst of a seismic shift in birth awareness. As a birth professional, if you don't have the language and foundational understanding of what's wrong and abusive about the current birth model, you will be left behind. You hold the power to break the spell and birth the truth and to know where you are going with purpose and clarity. You need to fully comprehend where we came from and how we arrived here. I am so stoked to get this out to the public. Go grab it now at freebirthsociety.com slash compass. Okay, so Naya thought her first birth, a home birth with a medical midwife, was as good as it gets. Until, of course, she free birthed and experienced a truly ecstatic and entirely undisturbed birth from beginning to end. Naya shares how she leveled up during the RBK school, learned to take self-responsibility for her life, and was therefore able to choose an entirely drama-free birth. Enjoy. Yeah, I feel like I've listened to so many of these. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know what we're here to do. So you just recently birthed, and I'm just so excited to hear the full story. You know, I I know little bits and pieces of your first birth and, you know, got to know you through the RBK school, and 
of course I want you to share your, your birth story today, but I also want you to share a bit about like who you are now, you know, at both as a free birther and as a free birth educator, right. And having, having graduated and really created this whole, um, amazing business after the school. So take us to wherever you want. You know, I guess we need to hear the story of your first child. So, um, yeah, start us there. Awesome. Thanks, Emily. Yeah. I, there's like such a wild transformation here. Um, I'll try to fit it all in. <laughs> uh, so I had my first child about two and a half years ago, my beautiful daughter, Aurelia. Um, and she was a very semi-unplanned, but totally energetically planned <laughs> baby. Um, I moved to Maine super spontaneously, met my soulmate like right away. And within a few weeks of us dating, we were like, let's have a baby. And then everyone in our family was like, that's not a good idea. So we kind of backed off on that idea a little bit, but not really. <laughs> we got pregnant about six months into our relationship. Uh, so that pregnancy was just like a huge initiation right for me not only into motherhood obviously but also into what it was like to not be a maiden to be at a new level of commitment with someone who I kind of was still getting to know um and to just really like instantly level up my life like get serious about my life um because I was totally living like the maiden way before that so I was vegan and I just like had so much to learn about uh, the, the world. Um, yeah. So right when I got pregnant with my first, I knew that I wanted to stay away from hospitals. And I also just kind of knew I didn't want to give birth at a birth center. I really just knew that like I wanted to give birth at home. Uh, I don't know really how I knew that because I had no one in my life that I knew of that had had a home birth, like no one. And when I was younger, I remember my mom telling me some like horror stories about home births that she knew of that ended in transfers for whatever reason. Uh, so I had no, like nothing besides my intuition telling me that that was the right thing to do. Um, my mom's own birth with me was a hospital birth with like vacuum delivery and episiotomy and all this stuff. And then the doctor ripped her placenta out in chunks. And like weeks later, she almost bled to death at home with like with me there. And um, so she has like this whole story that I've known my whole life. And I've that's all I knew birth to be. But I just was like, Clearly that was the doctor's fault. So I'm not going to give birth in the hospital. Um, so Isn't that I funny down. how we go either way with these stories? Like yeah. you either smell the bullshit or you believe the fear. And, yeah. Yeah. You're, you really shape your life around, you know, what we take of these stories. Oh my gosh. Yeah, really. And I think one of the like interesting pieces to my whole kind of arc here is that I, despite knowing this was still like so attached to the medical system. I had like so many stories about myself and my body and just so much attachment to that system. So in my head, I'm thinking I'm going to have a home birth for sure. 
Um, and then I was like, but I need to go to a hospital to like get my pregnancy confirmed. Hmm. And I, I didn't understand how the whole like medical midwifery system worked. So I thought it was like back in the day when you like go there and then a physician like meets you at your home for the birth, you know? So that's what I thought was going to happen. I went in for my very first like confirmation of pregnancy and I sat down and this old man, I don't even know if he was a doctor or what his position was, but he sat down and he looked at me and said, first thing that comes out of his mouth, no joke. He says, so are you going to keep it? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Isn't that insane? And I was young. I was 22, but like not that oh, young. Yeah. Like, there yeah, that no, was. There is no so young that that comment would be appropriate. Totally. Totally. So I was like, uh, yes, and I want a home birth. And he kind of was like, oh, well, we don't do that. And so I just was like, oh, well, then I guess I'll leave. <laughs> so that it was like a huge waste of time. But luckily, that's all it was. Yeah. Um, so I get home and I'm talking to my partner and he knows nothing about birth. He didn't even know for sure if he wanted children. He's never been keyed into any of this he has no reason to be. And he just said, well, you can just do it by yourself. And I was like, uh, I don't know. Like that just, that thought kind of scared me. And he was like, seriously, like, you don't think you can just do it by yourself. And then I said, you know what, actually, like I have this friend who has a friend who runs the free birth society podcast. And I had heard of you and the podcast like years before through our mutual friend. And suddenly like remembered that women do this totally. and that I had just kind of like written them off as like crazy or just like extreme people. And I told him, I remember this conversation so clearly. I said like, well, if I wanted to give birth on my own, I would basically have to become a midwife. I would basically have to like learn as much as a midwife learns and they go to school for years for this. So like, I can't do that in nine months. I just didn't understand that it, it was so much simpler than that. Um, so I like convinced us out of that idea. Um, and we hired a midwife who was incredible throughout our pregnancy, like truly exactly what I needed throughout the pregnancy. And I would say throughout like 99.9% .9 of the birth, mm. um, like, and she's still a dear friend of mine today and I still call upon her for like ceremonial sacred things um but she is still licensed so I didn't invite her to my recent birth um but we walked through just like this really beautiful journey together throughout pregnancy we did so much deep inner healing work together we were doing like ritualistic work Isaac and I like really facing childhood wounds digging up all the shadow work like every single month new shadow work new healing and like rapid growth together and I I do think that that was part of the reason why my birth just like unfolded so smoothly despite a lot of like odds stacked against me um so at the end of that pregnancy, I started having like a huge falling out with my family mm. who had traveled all the way to Maine from Hawaii for the birth. Um, mistake on my part. Like <laughs> per your have... invitation. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, because um, again, I just like didn't understand how the dynamics would be, and there was like a huge falling out around the fact that I was having a home birth. Mm. So I like officially uninvited them to my birth, which was a big deal, and just like completely felt like I was like breaking up with my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're together, and you invited both of them to your birth. My mom and my stepdad. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Who is like who's super close like he's my he's my father you know um and my younger sister so they were all there and I had like a huge fight with all of them while they were here when I was 41 weeks and I told them you guys need to go home like I can't do this it was this huge falling out we were screaming crying it was awful wow um yeah I remember like after this giant fight I tried to drive away and it was February in Maine and I couldn't get my car out of the driveway because of the ice so my stepdad had to come and pull my car out of the driveway like while we were fighting it was it was awful and what was the fight like about really um it it really was about me going beyond my due date like as soon as I hit 40 weeks they were just like it, it was like everyone changed, including wow. my midwife a little bit um, and myself too. Like I went my whole pregnancy feeling like super confident in my ability to birth. I skipped all the testing and stuff besides ultrasounds, which I was just like super indoctrinated into thinking that's what you do. Um, and then 40 weeks rolls around and suddenly everyone was like making jokes about like, like, oh, like this baby's going to be in there forever and all this stuff. And I was feeling super sensitive about it. And they started subtly like saying, so when are you, when are you going to do something? Right? Like, when are you going to get an ultrasound or when are you going to schedule an induction? Like what, what is your midwife doing? Why isn't your midwife doing anything? And I just remember being like, whoa, whoa, like I'm not doing anything. (laughs) And And at some point I finally just called them out on it. And I was like, if this is the energy that's going on, like y'all can't be at my birth. (laughs) And that like initiated a huge thing. And um, Mm. yeah, so it was just, it was an insane time of life. Also our dog, one of our dogs was like in the process of dying at that point. So there was like this whole other huge, like letting go of that. And my family left they went they got back on a plane to go back to Hawaii that is so dramatic yeah it was so dramatic it was like really I had to I had to like turn my phone off completely for multiple days just to like get out of the drama and I totally was just like I was so on the drama triangle this whole time I was just like so clung to the drama and in that drama, I kind of told my midwife, like, that we need to start doing something to get things going. So she came over with castor oil when I was like 41 and a half weeks. Um, and I tried it. Thank God it didn't work. Like it didn't initiate labor, but it was obviously a super awful experience. I was like shitting my brains out at 41 and a half weeks pregnant, like all day. It was just no fun, right? And like now looking back, not the way you wanna start labor. (laughs) So yeah, and I didn't understand any of the risks associated with that either. Um, It was just like my midwife brought it over, so I tried it. 
Um, so that, that all kind of unfolded. And then like the day my parents landed in Hawaii, my waters broke (laughs) spontaneously. I just, it was able to go into labor and I had a beautiful 12 hour birth at home. I had probably two hours worth of completely pain-free transition, which was like incredible. It was just the most like blissful transformative, like psychedelic trippy Mm -hmm. experience ever. Um, My midwife was there for probably five hours of it, four or five hours of it. And she just like sat in the corner on a chair and watched me the whole time. Um, She was super like energetically supportive. And then as I kind of felt like I wanted to push, I said, I want, I said, I think I might be pushy. And she said, would you like me to give you a vaginal exam? At that point we had discussed not having any vaginal exams. So the question kind of took me by surprise. And I think I just kind of was like, yeah, okay. Um, It was super uncomfortable. I really wish I hadn't done that. And I wish that I had just been like, no, thanks. Cause I know she would have respected that, but it really, that, that moment really keyed me into how truly vulnerable a woman can be even to just the slightest suggestion in labor. like, And it's harder for us to say no than yes. So it's even, totally. it's even interesting, like the way in which we make suggestions in the birth room, you know, could be more sensitively tuned to, to that, you know, like it's, it's harder for us yeah. to say no. Yeah. And that's something I try to keep that experience in my memory. Like anytime I'm at a birth, obviously I'm not giving any vaginal exams, but like anything that comes out of my mouth, I'm like, is, I know is being taken into such a higher sensitive frequency that like, even if I don't think it's a suggestion, it could be taken as a suggestion, you know? So that was kind of my first moment of really realizing like, oh yeah, this woman is a licensed midwife. Like she has paperwork that she has to write down saying that she at least tried to give me a vaginal exam well, not just, one time. Not just that, but also that she is, she has been um, taught to believe that a yeah. woman spontaneously pushing is potentially dangerous and that she yeah. needs to go deep inside your most intimate parts that are working to melt away to make sure that your pushing is truly intelligent and that your cervix is completely gone. Because as you know, there's also this weird thought that you you shouldn't be pushing if there's any cervix. Yeah. Even though that, of course, happens all the time and is actually a part of moving the cervix out of the way on and on and on. So... Yeah. Right. There's so much beyond just the like charting that it's, it's that she's, she actually believes that the most helpful thing to you is to finger you as you begin to feel pushing sensations. Yeah, totally. Of like this, like, even if she doesn't want any vaginal exams, this will be the one that like, it, you know, maybe makes or breaks a dangerous situation. Well, it's also, or let's make sure you're actually allowed to push. Yes. Is really yeah. Bizarre. And that was, that was the vibe that I got from it. And I remember like 
reflecting back on this much, much later thinking like, oh, you know, in reality, like that was maybe the first moment that I felt like my midwife just didn't actually trust me. Like I said my truth and she questioned it. And that was, that was enough for that little split second to feel just a completely different energy Mm -hmm. shift than what the rest of my birth had been, which was this very supported, very loving, very empowered, like super powerful feeling to all of a sudden being like, oh, maybe I don't know what's going on here. Also, you said yes to the suggestion and who knows how the energy would have gone and gotten worse had you said no if i had said no yeah totally she would have started to be like sweetie this is this is really important to do because what if you're pushing on a swollen cervix and we don't want you to transfer like this is what helps you stay home right yeah you're just yeah tilt away i mean you're one no away from from that with all these you know medical professionals it's really it's really interesting Yeah. And I, I think maybe some part of me knew that, like, I didn't want to have a conversation. I was pushing, right? Like I didn't want to have a conversation, (laughs) just get it over with. And so that's what we did. And I do think that like my energy around, like, this doesn't have to be that big a deal. Let's just get it over with. I do think that helped. Like I wasn't going to let myself feel victimized in that moment. So I just like, said yes, which, you know, obviously I feel some personal like responsibility and regret for, but it didn't ultimately like, it didn't cause an issue in my birth, like a, like a recognizable issue necessarily. It, it altered the energy of my birth in that moment, which makes me sad um, to reflect on for sure. But I definitely like, as soon as it was over, I snapped right back into my like, that primal kind of energetic, powerful sensation. And I like made my way into the bathroom and got down on all fours and I birthed my baby. Um, There is also this part of my birth story here where there's been a genuine discrepancy and like no one fully knows exactly what happened um, because I birthed like behind me, I was in like a child's pose and Isaac was ready. My partner was ready to catch her. Um, And my midwife was like back taking pictures. So I have a picture of the baby's head fully out and Isaac's hands like under. Um, And that's all I remember. All I remember is feeling the baby come out. But Isaac has told me that he watched the midwife like hook a finger under the baby's armpit just kind of as she was coming out to kind of like slide the baby into Isaac's hands. Um, So I wouldn't say she like pulled the baby out, but like kind of pulled the baby out. Uh, And I obviously that's not something I would have felt with my body. I didn't see it happen. So I don't know. Um, Well, it's not like, it's not like you made it up. No, exactly. Like, like, and it happened. Did you ever ask her? Yeah. Yeah. So I had like a full, during my recent pregnancy, which was two years later, I had like a full on debrief with my midwife cause, cause we're friends, you know? So we like spoke on the phone for hours and hours and I just like poured my heart out about all the things that I felt like I wished had been different about my first birth. And I like took responsibility for my part in it and asked her to take her responsibility for her part in it. And it was really like 
beautiful conversation, but she did say that she, she just said, I don't remember pulling the baby out. I remember the baby just like flying out into Isaac's hands, whatever. She goes to lots of births. She probably didn't remember it, but like Isaac, I believe my partner, you know, and he said that she pulled the baby out. So there was an intervention there that I was just like completely not spoken to me. Um, that like no one told me in the moment I found out months later, Ugh, right. When I so just disorienting. Was like, yeah, that, that like the actual intervention itself didn't even bother me that much. It was the fact that no one even said, and there wasn't an emergency. There wasn't a need for it. There wasn't any, I, I was just having a normal birth, pushing I, my baby out and someone just, yeah, someone just like wanted to get their hands on my baby. You know how it is like looking at Instagram. It's like all these birth photos will be in my explore feed and it's like these otherwise beautiful pictures and then there's just gloved hands, gloved hands, gloved hands, gloved hands. All, all like over. what's the baby going to do? Like if there's yeah. not a gloved hand there. Like oh god, like there's no way this couple would be able to figure out how to guide a baby out if there wasn't a medical yeah. provider with gloved hands. It's just like, damn, does that not ruin a picture? <laughs> totally, totally. And I think after I, I think it was Yolanda that in the RBK school, she was talking about just like, no one has to catch the baby. Like you can just birth the baby onto the floor. And it was like, my mind was blown. I was like, how did I... Cause we had this whole, I was like, Isaac's going to catch the baby, blah, blah, blah. Like my butt was like two inches off the ground. I could have just like birthed the baby onto the floor and picked her up myself, which now I kind of wish I had done. Right. <laughs> you know. Um, but again, like all, it was all just happening and I like instantly flipped over. I like lifted my leg up over the cord so that I could like flip over. Baby was in my arms instantly on my naked chest. She was just crying. And um, actually, no, that was my recent birth. She didn't cry. <laughs> I totally forgot about this. She didn't cry at all. I held her and we just like locked eyes and she just made like these tiny little sounds. She was super, super peaceful from the very beginning. And it was beautiful. It was like this, this incredible, I like, it took me a long time to really sink into what just happened of like, oh my gosh, they're like, this is a baby. This is a baby. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and I think I said that like, oh, this is a baby. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was, it was beautiful. And I'm, I'm so, so grateful that I had that experience at home. And I, I am also very grateful that I had just enough medical intervention to know that I didn't want to hire a midwife again, but not enough medical intervention to like traumatize me. And I <laughs> you know, even... I feel like I got very lucky with that, you know, totally. I don't even know if I'd call those medical interventions, you know, cause like we, I mean, they're from the medical paradigm, so I guess they are, yeah. but they're, you know, there's no like instruments or pharmaceuticals. Like this is stuff that, that women will do to them, you know, do to other women in supposed free births too, you know, like it's yeah. disruption for sure. But I, yeah, you, like and... just enough for you to see the sensitivity and the significance of the power dynamics in the room too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like it was just looking back at those tiny energetic shifts was enough for me to be like, oh yeah, like I really didn't need that. And I remember telling her afterward, like, 
you really didn't do hardly anything. Like I could have done that without you. And she was like, totally, you could have, you know? So it very like interesting conversations we've had over the years about, about that birth. Um, I had an incredibly, incredibly challenging postpartum with my first baby. That was something we just like completely didn't even think about. Mm -hmm. I swear to God, after I gave birth, my midwife was like, okay, would you like me to go get your underwear? Like, do you have like bleeding underwear or like depends or something? And I was like, what? Why? Like, that is how unprepared I was. Well, so she didn't like help prepare you for postpartum. That's interesting. Yeah, so she sent me, like, a list of things to buy, um, but we didn't really, like, talk about it or why I would need those things, and I don't think I took it very seriously, so I just kind of bought, like, the things that I thought made sense, and I didn't understand why someone would need period underwear. I was like, well, I'm not going to have my period (laughs) for a while. So I just didn't, I was so uneducated and I let myself be uneducated because I had a midwife. Mm. I think that was this other piece to it was that I allowed her to like hero me and mother me through so much or I wanted her to. And I do think that she did a really good job at like not mothering me and heroing me in all these ways that I like kept trying to ask her to do throughout the pregnancy, but I also like no one, no one really sat me down and was like, Hey, this is what postpartum is going to be like, Mm. and this is how you need to prepare for it. Um, yeah. So I felt very victimized by postpartum and because we didn't prepare, because we didn't know anything, my partner went back to work on day two. So I was home alone with a dying dog who was like, shitting everywhere oh my and like God. going insane. Yeah. So, and I had this brand new baby and I, because I was so like unprepared and uncared for, I bled for like a month afterward and I was in a lot of pain. Like it was just, it was incredibly hard. Breastfeeding was super, super painful for like at least the first two months. And I just, I've heard other women say like, oh, breastfeeding hurts and you just power through it. So that's what I did. And, you know, eventually it became not painful, but there was just so much that I, I didn't know. And I was turning away help that was trying to come to me and I wasn't asking for help that I felt like I needed. So I really, um, I had a lot of like growing up to do through that postpartum and then still dealing with the aftermath of like my broken family situation with my oh, parents, right. like, texting them pictures of the baby being like, here's your grandkid. Sorry, we were fighting like, you know, first grandbaby ever. So it's a huge deal. But you also, know. fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, but also, like, I'm still super mad at you, and, yeah. like, I would like an apology, too. God, how so, messy. Yeah, it was, it was so messy, so... I'm sorry, I, but, like, how dare they? How dare they fly to where you live to get involved in your birth and then freak out and infantilize you and be condescending to you and question you? Like, how dare they? No. That's yeah. so... Yeah, well, that was, that was, like, basically what I said to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so there, there has since been a lot of healing through that. And I, I, I will never forget. I like 
before I got pregnant with my second, I heard one of your podcast episodes with a woman who had had a similar situation. I don't remember who it was, but her first birth had was a home birth and there was just so much drama with her family around it. They completely fell apart. And then as she became pregnant with her second and chose free birth, it was like this wound with her mother just slowly healed itself and became this like really, really beautiful healed relationship. And I remember listening to that thinking like, whoa, I wish that could be me. And it totally was like, I, it took a long time uh, and it was really hard, but my mother and I, cause that was like the primary conflict was my mother and I, we, we really worked to have the conversations and to, we visited each other multiple times, like with the intention nice. of working this out. And we, we healed it and we both owned up to our peace and the drama and apologized. And it was really incredible. So by the time I got pregnant with my second, with my son, we were really on the up and up and from the beginning, you know, I had, and in that time I had done the radical birth keeper school and learned all these tools that completely, completely changed my life and my view of how that drama went down and taught me how to take responsibility for all of that drama, which I really think just like catalyzed everything going forward. Like I learned how to take responsibility for that birth and how that unfolded. I learned about like wild pregnancy and, and all of these choices that I made in my first that I just wouldn't have made if I had known better. And yeah, I, I, the radical birth keeper school was for sure like the turning point for me in like coming to terms with all the drama that happened in my first birth and then making a complete shift I quit my corporate job. I was working for Child Protective Services. No. Dude. You're like a movie, Naya. This is like a movie. I, you're not the first person to say that. I felt like I was in a movie. I was literally working. This is like maybe the most embarrassing part of my story. I was working at a job taking babies out of mother's arms. And sometimes for like good reason, right? But Yeah, but says who? But says who? Me? Right. Me, like an unrelated party who works for the government. Yeah. So I like, I gave birth to my baby and like knew that I wasn't going to vaccinate her and instantly was just like, oh, I can't go back to work with an unvaccinated baby. <laughs> so there was this huge cognitive dissonance forming from like the life I had built over here and this new life that my birth was like pushing me into this like home birth empowered birth. I wanted to be a doula. So, you know, all this stuff. So I started like trying to meld those worlds together through like attending hospital births as a doula and, you know, just all this, it didn't work. I was in cognitive dissonance and the radical birth keeper school just like snapped me out of that. I was like, I can't go to hospital births anymore, especially after I had a home birth. And I know like how good birth can be, right? Um, and like, spoiler alert, it gets way better than like even, you know, an uncomplicated home birth um, with a midwife. So I, yeah, I had this huge turning point. I like rectified this issue with my family. 
I started attending births outside the system and I started doing more independent work, like online work, supporting other birth keepers and just other women led businesses in general, and really starting to see this picture of what like sovereignty in life actually looks like, like realizing I can just be a mother without having to take my kid to the doctor and get like instructions on how to care for my kid on a monthly basis, you know, like, which I can by the just... way, they don't give you those. <laughs> no, you know, no, they it's don't. And more, more vague than that. Yeah. It's really just about injecting them. Uh, and from, from what I've heard, right. Cause my kid has never been to a doctor from what I've heard from other people who have taken their kids there, the advice that they do get is like, not what I'm about, <laughs> you know? So I just, yeah, I, it was this long, slow, arduous path of like me coming back to my intuition. All the while my husband is over here, just like in his intuition, knowing all this stuff, <laughs> no one taught him this stuff. And he's just over here being like, no, of course we're not going to vaccinate. Yeah, of course we're going to have home birth. No, of course we don't need a midwife, like all this stuff. And I'm like, I have to go through this deep questioning process within myself of like, is that really true? Like, can we really do that? And so that was incredible to have his just like chill, unwavering <laughs> support as I worked through all this stuff. And by the time I got through the RBK school and was like telling him all this stuff, he's like, yeah, babe, <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I know you had this in you, like you just needed to, to figure it out. Um, so then we again, like unexpectedly, but also kind of intentionally called in our second baby, um, probably sooner than we would have liked, but that was the timing that we let happen. So, um, yeah, I, I was experiencing implantation in like the most crazy way in this pregnancy. And I, I love this like piece to my story because I had traveled to California for a birth. Um, actually it was my aunt, uh, giving birth and she was, she was choosing birth outside the system and she wanted me there. Um, I didn't make it in time for the birth, obviously, cause I had to travel 3000 miles to be there. <laughs> um, but I got there like a few days after and took care of her in postpartum. So I was there like taking care of my aunt in her like sacred postpartum after her incredible free birth. And I went to this epic full moon women's circle with another RBK from the free birth society membership in this hot spring in Ojai. And like, we were naked, like shining our yonis up to the moon and like howling and singing, like hugging each other and crying for no reason. It was like maybe the most like witchcraft thing I've ever done. And it was so incredible. And I, got back home and like back to my aunt's house and started having like crazy and like insane sensations in my womb and like low back pain. And I was like swaying on the bed moaning, like I was in labor and I thought I had a kidney infection. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I like loaded up on tinctures and herbs. Yeah. I was like, oh, I like ignited this kidney infection. I did the wrong spell. I did the wrong spell. Yeah. 
exactly. No, it was just a baby. So, <laughs> so I got home and discovered I was pregnant. I got super nauseous and I took a pregnancy test and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. So I had the most like jam packed full wild pregnancy. I traveled out of the state five times in my pregnancy. Um, I did a road trip. I got together with some like high school girlfriends. I went to a wedding when I was 39 weeks. Um, I just had like so much fun and I did hot yoga up until the same morning that I gave birth. Um, yeah, I just like, I went from this first pregnancy where I was kind of asking my midwife her opinion on everything and still like doing more radical things than most people do, but not feeling very good about it and just not being sure of myself and not listening to my intuition to just doing anything and everything. Just living your life. Yeah. And I really like took advantage of that heightened sense of intuition and I was eating super well and super like robust. Like I was eating all the time and feeling super good about it. And yeah, I just, I just loved this pregnancy. It was so good feeling. And the whole third trimester was, was kind of punctuated with these intense pleasure days, just like days that were all about pleasure in my body. And I was like so open and, and yeah, just a very sensual, good feeling, amazing pregnancy. And I loved, I was teaching tons of yoga. Um, yeah. So I felt really incredible and I had, I really didn't know like when my 40 week whatever date was, um, because I didn't have a menstrual cycle between my first birth and getting pregnant. So I kind of just picked a date on the calendar, um, based on when I started feeling nausea in first trimester, I was like, okay, well maybe that was like six weeks. And I just picked a date and it was the exact date that I gave birth. And I've, I always tell people like, literally you could pick a date on a calendar and it'd probably be more accurate than like getting an ultrasound for your due date or whatever, you know? Um, so I just kind of like intuitively was like, yeah, I think it's going to be early June, maybe June 7th. And then as I like halfway through towards the end of pregnancy, I was like, no, I think it's going to be June 4th which is the birthday of my deceased grandfather, who was like by far my closest, most special family member um, that I had a really, really close connection with all throughout my childhood and really, really seriously grieved his death for many, many years and still like pray to his spirit and see him in dreams um, and all this stuff. So when I realized my baby was probably going to be born around then, I knew it would be on his birthday. Um, and, and it was, so yeah, that, yeah, it was like, I, I guess I had an exactly, it w which was also a full moon. So I think I had an exactly nine moon pregnancy, um, which is pretty cool from full moon to full moon. Um, yeah. So I think that's everything from the pregnancy. It was just like an insane, insane, wild how did time. how did it go this time around letting your family know that you were going to free birth 
Well, because of the work I had been doing, I think it was just kind of obvious. Like, I don't think I actually ever said out loud, I'm going to free birth to my parents, mm -hmm. you know, but like <clears throat> I have this Instagram account where I'm talking all about free birth and how like good it is and how important it is and all this stuff. And I'm like actively attending births outside the system and telling my mom about it. And so when I told her I was pregnant, I think it was just this like, yep, this is just what Naya does. Like Naya's in this world now mm -hmm. and we're not going to question it. And, and I really think that was due to me fully like standing in my power about it, like fully saying, this is what I believe. This is what I've believed all along. Like, this is what I do for a living. I've seen this happen and it's this is the way and so when it came time for me to be like i'm pregnant again there was no discussion of like well what are you going to do for prenatal care or whatever it was yeah like my mom just asked me like how i was feeling and she was very supportive and loving the whole time she loved like seeing pictures of my belly and she you know we we just didn't talk about that part of it which was right for us and it allowed us to have like a really beautiful connection throughout the whole pregnancy. Um, yeah, I think there were times where I had wished like, oh, I wish she would ask me a little bit cause like obviously this is my passion and I love talking about it. Um, but I'm so glad that it was just simple and easy and I really feel like I chose to not have a drama filled pregnancy and birth and that's what happened like mm -hmm. I committed to letting go of drama and I didn't have any drama I mean that's <laughs> how it works was, yeah which like blows my mind and it blows other people's mind when I say that I'm like no I literally just chose to stop having drama <laughs> and it was it was really incredible like I think how, like choosing a drama-free pregnancy and birth was like the most important choice I made out of all of it because that underpins all the other choices. You know, I don't want the drama of intervention. I don't want the drama of like, oh, is it time to go to the hospital yet? I don't want the drama. It just don't. And that made it so easy and simple to just be like, I'm just going to live as a pregnant person and I'm just going to like live as a birthing woman and like the baby's going to come out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it felt really easy. And then obviously on top of all the like <laughs> physiological information that we learned in the RBK school about how truly safe and physiologically optimal it is, it felt like a complete no brainer at that point. Like there was no other, no other option yeah. considered there. It's not even a conversation. So I, yeah, I went through it feeling just like very free, very, very free, which, which was like incredible free from myself and my own baggage and my own drama and free from the system and all of their drama. And, and I, it, I really think that it made like physiological difference in my body. Like my body felt better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So tell us your birth story. Yeah. Uh, so on the morning of June 4th, we woke up, it was a Sunday and, um, we had plans to go to a 9am hot yoga vinyasa class. And I had been kind of feeling the day before, like that spacey kind of high kind of feeling like, Ooh, I think birth is happening. 
and I had this date in my head of June 4th. So I kind of knew, um, I had had a little bit of like weird fluid gush on the Saturday before, just like random tiny little burst of fluid, like could have been pee, not really sure. So I just was like, should I stay home and rest? But ultimately I decided I'm going to go to the yoga class if I start having contractions and I don't want to keep going, then I'll stop and like, just let it be. Um, so I went to the yoga class, which was by far like the best yoga class I've ever been to. Cause I was in that like super high, like, and I was sweating. It was like 95 degrees. I was doing tons of super deep squats. Like my body was so open and it was amazing. And then afterward, um, we went to the grocery store and I think Isaac was also like tapped into the birth energy. Cause we were walking around the store. Like we were high and we are so sober. We are like so, so, so sober. And we were walking around the store being like, Oh, we need all this food. So we just like loaded up on so much food, like the most impulse buying we've ever done. We got like the nicest, like most delicious food. Um, and we went home and we got home around noon and we put our daughter down for a nap and we all fell asleep. And then Isaac and I had sex, kind of knowing it was going to be like the last time before the baby came. And we fell asleep for a little bit more. Um, or maybe we had sex first and then napped. Yeah, I don't really remember that timeline, but we slept and I woke up at like 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon with just the like tiniest, tiniest, crampy, little pinchy sensation in my womb. And I just told Isaac, like, this is it. I know that like today's going to be the day. Um, and that like tiny little pinchy sensation kind of got a little rhythmic for like maybe every 30 minutes or so for a while. And then maybe every 10 minutes. Um, but it was like every 10 minutes for most of it. And it was really, really like way less than a period cramp, like so small. Yeah. So chill. So like Aurelia woke up from her nap, Isaac and Aurelia went outside and they were like playing in the woods and just kind of puttering around. It was like this kind of gloomy, wet, rainy days. Like everything was, it was just like a wet day, right? Like hot yoga, sweating, like a little bit of fluid here and there. And then this like gloomy, moist day. So I was just kind of puttering around the house, cooking, cleaning. I just like couldn't stop eating. I was nonstop eating. I had probably like six to eight full cooked meals that day. (laughs) I'm not even joking. I was eating so much like up until the baby came out. And then I had another huge meal after the baby came out. I was, and every bite of food was like orgasmic. It was so good, Emily. Like really, yeah, I was loving the food. (laughs) And so I just kind of did that, like puttered around the house. I set up my little birth altar. Uh, I had had a blessing way ceremony a few days before and all these women brought like these beautiful things for me to put on my birth altar so I built that out um and just enjoyed like put on some music had had a good time and really didn't like notice the sensations hardly at all but I knew at some part of me that I was like in labor 
So I think it was around 6.30 that they came back in. We had another meal and we sat down to watch our favorite show in the world, Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, and we, I was texting my friend who is a just a mom friend that I love. And she was in town with the intention of supporting me in postpartum. And I told her that like, if I wanted her at the birth, I'd let her know. Um, so I texted her and I was like, yeah, I'd love for you to come over and just like be here and hang out with my daughter. If she wants to hang out, I'm like, I think today's the day. And, um, but it seems like it's going really slow. So take your time. You can come over in like two hours. Well, she, she took her time and showed up in two hours and she got there five minutes before the baby came. So it was like 10 minutes after I sent that text, all of a sudden it was 180 degrees different. Like I was, we were 10 minutes into the first episode of Avatar and I literally was like, you've got to turn that off and close all the windows right now. I'm going and in. I just, yeah, I was in it so fast, so rapidly. So I just like was on the ground on all fours just writhing and this was like incredibly intense incredibly painful like I'm not gonna pretend I had a pain-free birth it was super painful it was insane and I what got me through it was like fully narrating out loud my entire experience <laughs> which I didn't do intentionally it was just coming out of me like I, I like couldn't what? Even like now I'm gonna put saying. my hand on the floor. Now I'm yes. gonna move my hips. Now I'm gonna yes, <laughs> literally, That's exactly like that, and and also narrating That's like all of my thoughts. You. Yeah, I really think I was like channeling my like yoga whatever. It. I was also speaking aloud every single thought I had. So I would be like. I'd be like, oh my God, I didn't think it was going to hurt this bad, but I know that birth hurts. Like I've seen birth hurt all the time. And so it just like, I just have to get through it. And oh my God, I feel another contraction coming. Oh God, please help me. Please help me. Okay. That one's over now. Like it was nonstop. Wow, that's funny. <laughs> Probably super annoying for Isaac, but it was, it just, it, I was like speaking in tongues. It just came out of me. And for whatever reason, it was helpful. It was like helping me regulate my breathing. Totally. I don't know. I had no inhibition. So like, I wasn't worried about what anyone was thinking of me. Isaac went and set up Aurelia with a movie. He put on Moana for her in the other room and our house is super tiny. So she was just like right on the other side of the wall from me. Um, and he started drawing me a bath and I made my way into the bath because in Aurelia's birth, the water really, really helped. That was like what instantly snapped me into that like pain-free psychedelic state. And so I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to get in the water. Pain's going to go away. Um, that didn't happen. I was like pretty disappointed. I got in and I was like, mm, why is it not getting better? Um, probably because I was like in transition. So I got in the water. It was like kind of relaxing, but not really. Uh, my daughter got in the water with me for a little bit. I had some contractions. Um, we like had a conversation. I told my daughter like, I'm working really hard because the baby's going to come out. And she kind of understood, but didn't care. <laughs> She's had um, at the time of birth? 
two. Yeah, she's so little. Um, yeah, like two in a few months. So, um, yeah, she she was like, whatever, mom. Yeah. She, like, didn't care. She wasn't scared. She wasn't weird about it. She was just like, okay, I'm going to go back to my movie. So she went back to her movie, and I kind of went back and forth between my, like, ground station of pillows, blankets on the floor, and the bath. But it was a long walk between them. So I think a lot of that, like, walking back and forth also made it, like, I don't know, kind of got things moving. Um, But I was just feeling every single sensation. And that was something from my first birth. I remember hearing other people say, like, I could feel everything. I could feel my cervix opening. Like, I could feel myself dilating. I could feel that my pelvic bones opening. And I remember thinking, I didn't feel any of that in my first birth. I just felt like the pain of the contraction and then my baby coming out. And now I know what people meant when they said that. Like I was so, so, so keyed into every little sensation in my body that it was all the more painful and intense, but also like so cool and fascinating. And that like, observer back part of me was saying things like wow this is so cool like this is so amazing and so beautiful and so I got to have this very powerful like dual experience of just being like fascinated with birth and with my body um and that only you know that back and forth only lasted for a few hours until like I on the way to the bathtub again I told Isaac like this is the last time I'm going back and forth so like please bring the blankets and stuff to the bathroom because if I want to get out of the tub again like I'm not walking anywhere um so he did and made me like this really awesome little like blanket pillow thrown right outside of the bathtub um and I got in the bathtub and it was around that time that our photographer had arrived um who was a woman from my women's circles like she had been coming to village prenatals for a while she knew that I was like all anti-medical system and was super awesome about it she was like fully fly on the wall which was so cool um and so she showed up and just did her thing Uh, I didn't even like notice her there and I kind of got into this like more quiet internal like whimpery kind of state um wondering like where am i right now like how much longer is this gonna be kind of thing so i decided to like feel inside myself and I i shouldn't even say decided because i just did it my body just like put my fingers inside fully out of like i don't know just instinct i didn't consciously decide that at all And I felt the amniotic sac still intact. And that was like the coolest feeling. I was like, whoa, this is so beautiful. And I remember thinking like, don't poke it too hard. Uh, So I just kind of had that little cool experience of knowing what it was like to like slowly and gently feel inside myself in an intuitive way, as opposed to like having another woman do it in like like a non-intuitive way. Um, and it was like, not obviously it wasn't painful at all. It was like borderline pleasurable. Um, and my baby's head was like right there. The sack was still intact. So that gave me like a little bit of kind of boost of energy. Um, I then just 
intuitively got out of the bath and onto the floor in kind of like a like all fours position where I was leaned over like a big pillow. Um, and that's when my dear best friend, Stephanie, arrived. And she just very quietly walked in and sat down on the edge of the bathtub next to me. Um, I think she like brushed a piece of hair out of my face and said hello. And I instantly, her presence made me feel like so good. It wasn't like I like I was relieved that someone was there for me. It was more that I just was like, I love this person so much. And I'm so glad she's here. Like, I just wanted to like embrace her. I just felt so good having her near me. And she just literally, that's all she did was be near me. And I loved that. Um, Isaac and Aurelia were off somewhere else in the house. I don't know what they were doing. Uh, and then... I think it was really that like wave of relaxation and just like joy that my friend was there that helped my waters to release because like as soon as she entered the room, like two minutes later, my waters exploded everywhere and it felt so good. It felt like incredibly pleasurable. And I then like found my body moving my right leg up into a lunge position. And I remembered that like observer part of my brain remembered that piece of information that I think I heard sister Morningstar say at one point, which is that like a woman will intuitively move into the most optimal birthing position when she's left undisturbed, whatever that position is for her. And I like watched my body move my leg and thought to myself oh I'm doing it like that's so cool so I was in this lunge and in the next like exhale my baby was coming out there was no pushing there was no like head out weight turn nothing like I just waters exploded and and I look down and my leg is up and my baby is just like being like exploded out of my body in this incredibly powerful way with like no effort from me whatsoever. I mean, obviously it was effortful, but I wasn't intentionally pushing. And I caught my own baby. Like I had my hands around his head kind of, or like, you know, around on his head as he was coming out. And then he just like slid out into my hands and he was screaming and he was so like full and chunky and healthy looking. And I just brought him to my chest and it was, I was in the most ecstatic, blissful, incredible joy I've ever experienced in my entire life. Like I, it was it was so, so very different than the feeling I had from my first baby. And I thought that was the most joy I've ever felt in my life. And I think that's what like just keeps recurring to me is this thought of like, I didn't even know it could get so much better. So good. Like so good. I just, I couldn't. And it lasted, it lasted for weeks into the postpartum. And that was really, really cool. Um, yeah, so we just, we had our moment and I was still narrating. I really wish someone had gotten a video because I would have loved to know what and my first words were. And now I grab my baby were. and now I look at my baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, 
I w- it was, yeah, it was nonstop. <laughs> I, so I asked my photographer and she said that like shortly after the birth, um, maybe like 10 minutes after, cause I was just sitting there observing my baby. At some point I was like, Oh, someone needs to get Isaac. So Isaac, <laughs> someone got Isaac. I think, yeah, he was, <laughs> he was nowhere to be found. <laughs> he was just with our daughter. Uh, and so he came in and he was like, Oh, the baby's here. Uh, and he asked me, did do you know if it's a girl or a boy? And I looked, it was a boy. We knew, we knew the whole time it was a boy. There was no doubt in our mind. Um, so I was like, Oh yeah, it's a boy. Duh. Uh, and that was really cool. Um, Oh, I remember also the cord looking at the cord was so vibrant and so blue and so beautiful. And I loved, I loved seeing the twisty cord and everything and just like being able to touch everything myself and just this very primal uh, experience of like there's no midwife here to like do anything so I get to just like play it was very playful like I can play with the cord I can play with the placenta you know so maybe 10 or 15 minutes after the birth I start you know whatever subconsciously like speaking out these like incantations about the placenta and I didn't even realize I was doing this my photographer told me later that I said something like I'm ready to get this placenta out of me now and just as those words came out so did the placenta just like slid out I didn't do anything it just came it just plopped out onto the ground and that was really nice and easeful and I was able to just like open it up and look at it and feel it and everything and we <laughs> after we severed it we like held it up and swung it around to show my daughter and she thought that was really funny um so we kind of slowly made our way into the bedroom into the bed and Isaac made me my like favorite meal ever super juicy red bloody cheeseburger on sourdough bread and I scarfed two of them down and then we uh after a couple of hours we did a umbilical cord burning ceremony with like candles and whatnot and that was really really beautiful and just very nice and slow and peaceful and our daughter got <clears throat> to hold a, a candle with the help of my friend and yeah, it was just, it was all very simple and very easy. Like it was just a part, of, it was like how we spent our afternoon. <laughs> it was just a part of our day. And he was born right before 9 p.m. So like we got to go to bed at a normal time. That's awesome. I, yeah, and that's actually how it happened with my daughter too. Um, she was also born right at 9 p.m. So I had had a full night's that's sleep funny. before and a full night's sleep after both births. I'm so grateful for that. Like, nice such a privilege yeah um so it was really it was really really just very simple and peaceful we all got tucked into bed and he breastfed easily no pain whatsoever like just just easy everything was easy uh and we woke up the next day in our new in our new beautiful life and i had the most incredible postpartum the most blissful, amazing postpartum, like everything, everything was like orgasmic. Every meal I ate was orgasmic, like laying there with my baby, cuddling my baby was so good. I felt so good that I like wanted to go back to working. I had, I was building websites for some people and I was like, I'm so excited to like dump some creative juices into my work. Like I, 
Yeah, it it was like the most joyful, blissful time ever. And Isaac was home with me. My friend was taking care of us. Like mm. it was, yeah. And that was obviously a result of like us changing our life very intentionally to be able to support a postpartum because of the things we learned like mm. through the Radical Birth Keeper School and like taking responsibility for our life so that when these things happen, they can be joyful, mm -hmm. you know, rather than just like being the victim of this experience, like, like I was the first time. So yeah, it was like a very full circle kind of experience. And I still feel like now I'm almost three months out. And I still feel like I still have those days of like postpartum high and bliss and just like looking at my baby and feeling this deep cyclical joy. That's all I know how to describe it as. Yeah, it's ooh, so, so good. good. Yeah, I want to do it a bajillion more times. <laughs> I know. I remember like on day two, laying in bed, trying to calculate my age with how many babies I could pull off with like all the other stuff I want to do. I was like, okay, how many could I have? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I've done the same thing. Tell me a little bit about your decision to have a birth photographer there because that's yeah, like, I mean, a part of me, of course, I say this lovingly, but a part of me, like, doesn't believe you that you didn't notice her, because, like, how is that possible? Yeah. But, like, how? So, tell me about that, because, like, of course, it's, like, such a cool idea, and she got such great photos of you, and also, that, like, is a lot of people at your birth. Yeah, so, and that was, it was literally a last-minute oh, decision for me, and I would not have done it. I wouldn't have rather had it any other way. So she's like a personal friend of mine that had come to our women's circles a, a bunch yeah. and she had done family photos for us in the past. So I knew her vibe. Mm -hmm. She had heard my dream birth story like a bunch of times. And she basically told me one of the things that I have routinely over and over again felt really sad about was that there weren't more pictures from my first birth. And so she came to me and was like, very, very kind, offered me a pay what you can and said, I'm just going to put myself on call for you. You don't have to commit. You don't have to sign a contract. We'll talk about money afterward, pay what you can. Just if you're in labor and you think that you want a photographer, I will be there. I know all your boundaries. Don't worry. So that, that m made me able to have a more like intuitive mm -hmm. decision in the moment and I should correct myself. Obviously, I realized she was there. Um, and she, like, walked in the room. And she was trying to be so hard of a fly on the wall. But, like, I saw her and I was like, hi, Angela. I, You know, I see you. It's okay. Yeah, we it's can okay. talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, she was being so cautious. And, like, she didn't even come into the room. She was in the doorway. So, the, like, what I should. like, of the pictures, like didn't bother yeah. you like didn't no not at all you? no and I think I think part of the reason is because she got there so late mm -hmm. in the game that like I was already so in it um that like it just those kinds of things weren't registering for me um and it didn't feel like she was it didn't feel like she was there. So like I noticed her energy and her persona, you know, her personhood or whatever, <laughs> but I didn't like, I energy. didn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
but I didn't like notice the sounds of the I don't actually think she had like a shutter sound um I didn't notice the camera itself um and because Isaac and Aurelia were in a different room and I was like in this kind of dark corner in the bathroom and all the lights were off and my friend kind of just like sat there super quietly next to me I felt yeah like very alone yeah I didn't feel like there were a lot of people there but when I look back I'm like oh there were f- like four people besides me in the house but it it was yeah. so undisturbed it didn't feel that way um but I don't think I would hire a different photographer like I don't think I would just like look for a photographer right. sign the contract and hire them fit for you yeah, yeah, totally. And I'm so glad I did it because I, I like those photos are they're insane. priceless. Oh my God. Yeah. They're insane. Yeah. They're so awesome. They're so so awesome. I'm really, yeah, I'm really, really happy um, with that decision. But for future births, I probably won't. I'll probably just like have Isaac snap a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was very happy with that, with like, the people that I invited into the space, just literally witnessing me. And that was it. And, you know, I think my, my friend who like, she had had a hospital birth and she had, she didn't, you know, she'd never witnessed birth before. And so she was really just there, like as my friend to see me in that state. And that was like really really special to just feel her energy like that was all I wanted from her mm-hmm. and that was exactly what I got yeah love it yeah <laughs> yeah such that. a powerful I love, thing like, every meal and postpartum is orgasmic oh my gosh so it was <laughs> like Isaac must feel so... like the most incredible chef <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah he and he he's like a chef oh, he was okay. a professional Great. cook for a while Amazing. um yeah so like he totally was like going all out, Mm -hmm. um, with the meals. Uh, oh my gosh, he's going to hate that I tell this story, but actually one of the meals, he thought it would be really funny to play a little joke on me. And he brought me this like beautiful tray full of like awesome oats with that goddess ghee on top and like cinnamon sprinkled on top and this array of fruit and like bacon and all this stuff. And he put a tiny little carpenter ant right on the top of the oats. And just served a dead me the tray. Or an alive yeah, one? a dead one. <laughs> and he was like, "I put some extra protein Did on you eat it? oats." No. <laughs> oh my god! I was. It took me a second, but I was cracking up. But yeah, we had such a good time. And actually, I had I had the only real like challenging postpartum experience was the after pains, which did get worse the second time. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like three days. It was super intense. It was like, I was in labor again. Um, yeah. 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 It was so hard. Tinctures helped, but the more like pleasurable orgasmic experience I had, the more intense they were, (laughs) right? Like all the oxytocin was flowing. So I would like look at my baby and be like, oh, I'm so in love with my baby. And I would eat this amazing yeah, food like, and be like, oh, I love this food. Yeah. And then it would hurt more. And I'd be like, stop feeling so good. <laughs> yeah. This is just this little cycle of like feeling really good. And then the after pain. Bam. And yeah. Like maybe a little bit of an upper limit problem. 
but so intense. Yeah, but it helped me to just like tap back into that like resting kind of recovering mode um, because I did feel so good. I'm glad I wasn't tempted to like sabotage myself and get out of bed. So I, I like committed myself to staying in bed for three weeks at least. And then I started kind of walking around and whatnot, but I didn't physically feel like I had to because my body felt so good. Like I remember actually thinking that like my body felt like better than it did before getting pregnant. Like I felt so good and healthy and I just wanted to like bask in that. And I committed to staying in bed for three weeks. And I think that helped to continue that feeling. So now like three months out, I'm feeling like in in incredible health, like better than I was before, which I've heard in like ancient Ayurvedic wisdom. They say that like those first 40 days determine the next 40 years of your health. And I, I'm really seeing that. Like, I, I think I actually did some serious deep healing of maybe some physiological wounds that happened in my first postpartum and like full circle completed that. So yeah, I mean, my, my free birth has healed so many wounds of my life. Like it, you know, I watched my wound with my mother heal, like my relationship has healed in many ways. Like it even helped me to heal like whatever kind of awkwardness or tension there was between my midwife from my first birth and I, as I came into my power and realized that I didn't want her there, like we were able to have a friendship Mm. now, you know? So like just so much healing has occurred through this of mind body and spirit. And, and I think even healing with my daughter that I didn't even know needed to happen. Like, yeah. And healing of my business. Like my, my business feels like it's going in the direction that I really want it to be going out to. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Like birth, birth absolutely changes your life one way or another. Well, it, like it can. Yeah. It can. It has. Yeah. It's a. It's it's one of those peak, you know, markers on our graph that it has the potential to rapidly accelerate in either direction. But I don't totally. think like every woman necessarily feels super changed, you know. But obviously, we see it in the free birth world, and I think you know what you're speaking yeah. to around all of this healing is is kind of what I'm talking about that, that not everybody has a free birth and feels more in their power, but a lot of women do. And it's like, it's a possibility, but you didn't just free birth in a vacuum. You cleaned up your life in order to free birth. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's this apex of the, of the whole thing for sure. And what you said, like having Isaac at home, being really intentional about who's there and who's not and, you know, healing stuff with your family. I mean, all of these markers create a total, a totally different shift. And so the healing, what am I trying to say? That, that part of becoming fully embodied and in your own power creates the, um, it's not just opportunity, like creates the reality where you can alchemize all your relationships because you are going to be a lot less tempted to project power dynamics on them right yeah so then all of a sudden 
you can actually heal and actually be in, in a much deeper um, layer of intimacy with the people around you because you're not just like outsourcing. Yeah. And I really like, I had no idea how much I was outsourcing mm -hmm. until I made this shift in my life. And, and looking back, like, it's incredible that I, <laughs> that I was still doing as well as I was in life because I was, I was living in victim consciousness so hardcore and it feels so good to be out of that and to have that like fully crystallized by the birth and, and really by the postpartum even more so like that it was like that final ceremony of this long rite of passage that I kind of created for myself. And I called in other people to help me formulate this rite of passage journey. Like I called in the healing with these different relationships, like you said, alchemizing these relationships and the birth was this big grand mm -hmm. final ceremony. I just, I can't think of any other better way to describe it. It was the most ceremonial, joyous day of my life. And I just, it reinforced in me so strongly that, that any woman can claim that if she wants to. Yeah. So how can women find you? I am on Instagram as Woiled Mama Birth. That's W-O-I-L-D Mama Birth. Um, Woiled is like a play on words for old wild world. Um, yeah, so you can find me on Instagram and all my all my contact and website and info. Everything is on there. But what if someone's yeah. not on Instagram? If someone's not on Instagram they can go to wildlifewellness.com, W-O-I-L-D, wildlifewellness.com. And all our info is on there. We do um, all sorts of radical birth stuff online. And I do radical birth keeping here in Maine. Um, and then my husband also does like nutritional, ancestral, like food healing stuff too, um, which is on there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you yeah. for your time. Yeah. Thanks so much, Emily. Mm, thank you. I really like, I, I thank you in my heart all the time, but it's not very often that I get to look you in the eyes and say, thank you, but thank you so, so much for this work that you're doing and for the podcasts and the RBK school and everything. Like you have been such a, a huge mentor and turning point in my life. And I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. You are so welcome, and can you please come to MRF next summer? Yes, if I'm, <laughs> I really, like, literally thought that I, I was, like, so close to buying the tickets, and then I found out I was pregnant, yeah. and I calculated the yeah, baby time, and I was close. just like, are you effing kidding That's me? Okay. just don't be pregnant so. again. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't want to get pregnant again that soon. So, or if I do like get pregnant right before or whatever. So I'm like in second trimester golden time at Matriarch Rising. Um, but yeah, I won't be on the verge of giving birth okay, next good. summer. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank you. Lots All of right. love. Thanks, Emily. Bye. Have a good day. See ya.
hope you enjoyed the show today. You can support this podcast by donating to it on freebirthsociety.com and leaving an awesome review on whatever platform you listen on. The more reviews, the more visibility the show gets, so let's spread the word of sovereign birth. We've always got a lot going on at Free Birth Society, and you can find out about all of it at freebirthsociety.com, at freebirthsociety on Instagram, and opt in to my newsletter below in the show notes. We offer courses on free birth, authentic midwifery, and the blood mysteries, as well as one-on-one coaching, in-person retreats, and of course, our annual women's festival. Our exclusive vetted private membership is definitely something to check out if you're looking for a community of wise sisters. Together we rise. We must speak our stories, claim our lives, and support one another. This is the living revolution, and I am so grateful to be in it with all of you. I'll leave you with our epic Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your We choose love, everything with intention, death, ascension, I will fly and bring her back from the start.